The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On round one, Scott Reed is here, CTV political commentator, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin, Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers, and Jerry Agar is here. The Jerry Agar Show airs from 9 to noon. Uh, let's start in the obvious place. 9 o'clock yesterday morning, the premier made an offer, which many could easily represent as a pretty significant climb down. The union accepted the offer. Kids are back in school today. Jerry Agar, I've been, I, I think it's not productive to frame this in terms of winners and losers. And I think both parties behaved responsibly yesterday. But what do you say? Uh, no, I think that uh, it was, in fact, a climb down. Who stands up for kids and uh, taxpayers in the private sector in this province? Nobody. Nobody does. We're going to get some excuses at 9 o'clock, I guess, when the premier and the education minister speak. But we're going to fine you. Oh, well, so you went out for two days. No, no, we'll just not fine you, I guess. You just get what you want. All right. Scott Reed, I'm being accused of now being Doug Ford's boyfriend because I said that he was, I thought he behaved responsibly as a politician and checked his ego yesterday, but maybe you agree with Jerry. Uh, I don't agree with Jerry. Uh, I think he was, I think he was prudent yesterday insofar as he was facing uh, a fight that he wasn't going to survive without taking a lot of damage. And so he was smart enough to recognize that and get out of Dodge. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not convinced it's going to have lasting damage, uh, you know, in three and a half years from now, electorally, is it is it going to harm him that uh, this occurred? You know, as long as he doesn't compound his problems and the mistake that he made last week, probably not. I do think there's a couple lasting implications, though. Uh, I think that he's really um, in English Canada. Now, the use of the notwithstanding clause is going to be a little more tainted. We got to the point where people were saying, you know what, there's no longer a taboo against using it. Well, it's actually the thing that triggered the private sector unions to come in, which I'm convinced is what triggered the climb down from forward. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see, does that mean Ontario people are going to treat it like kryptonite, him, other leaders? Is that going to affect the premiers out west? I'm guessing maybe not to the same degree. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. But like as for this morning, my kids are going to school. I'm about to drive one of them there. I'm super pleased with that outcome. Yeah, I mean, Deb Hutton, I look at this and I think that the premier has diffused the whole business, as Scott said, about the notwithstanding clause. Uh, I think now that they've gone back to work, the likelihood of another strike is less. And so now both parties go back to the table and the province sweetens the deal and we get one. Yeah, I'm worried we don't get one. And instead of this being the end of something, I think it's actually the beginning of something, John. And that's what makes me so concerned. As you know, I've been very disgusted by with the withdrawal of, of the class uh, learning. I've been disgusted by the boards actually, in my view, supporting the union uh, because they didn't open schools in many parts of this province, Toronto in particular, for my girls. Uh, I think the union's behavior yesterday was disgusting. I think they are emboldened. And I don't know that you're going to get a deal. I, I could not believe, I listened intently to the Premier, I listened intently to the Union uh, press conference just before noon yesterday, and not a word about the classroom. Not a word by any of them. And fists in the air, solidarity, all the Union rhetoric. This is about education workers. And it really concerns me both for this round of bargaining uh, with this particular union. It concerns me for the teachers who stood there yesterday, their union representatives, and, and talked about solidarity and having fought for it and won. Not a thing about my kids. So I think, uh, you know, 
We're in for a rocky ride as parents. It is absolutely disgusting to me. And I don't know what else to say about it because, as you can tell, I'm not any happier today than I was yesterday, other than my girls at least are heading to school. Okay, so I led off, uh, Deb, by saying who stands up for parents, taxpayers, children, who in this province does that? Nobody is the problem. Parents. Like I, I, as long as I've been in politics, Jerry, I've not been sort of an activist of causes. I support a political party. I do my bit. I vote and, and I'm far more partisan than a lot of people. I know that, but I've never had something where I said I'm taking to the streets as an individual. I'm getting pretty damn close to doing that because my kids, Neither of them, one in grade 10, one in grade three, they will not have had a quality education for their, they'll never catch up, neither of them, even the grade three. And that's not acceptable. It's one of the most basic things we should provide our society. The Premier and the Education Minister are going to be speaking at 9 o'clock, and Jerry, you're going to take that one live on your show, because it's, yep. it's going to be deja vu all over again. I'm very, I mean, there was a lot of significant content to what the Premier had to say yesterday, and today everyone's probably wondering, okay, what's Chapter 2 in all of this? Well, we'll find out. We'll take it as long as there is content, uh, as long as it doesn't become, you know, yada yada and the same old, uh, because it, it, to me, it just seems like we haven't gotten anywhere. That The Premier came out, and the Education Minister came out and they talked tough and then they folded and so I yeah I'm curious to see what they're going to say today but there's uh, in the end the union will get what they want because nobody stands up for the citizens of this province Civic activist Adam Chaliff has a long tradition of filing complaints about all kinds of things, including against Mayor Rob Ford and then against Mayor John Tory. Somewhat opportunistically timed, it was filed during the election campaign, so the integrity commissioner said, we'll get to this after the election. And Scott Reed, I'll start with you on this one. He is getting to this. The assertion is that John Tory is too close to uh, Rogers, having served as its CEO, but actually continuing to serve with the Rogers Trust which involves a six-figure compensation annually. So do you think this is going to go somewhere, or is it another one of Adam Chaliff's things where the integrity commissioner is going to do a lot of busy work and then say everything's fine? Uh, I'm going to say a couple things that seem contradictory, and everybody, I think, who listens closely knows that I'm pretty supportive of Meritori. Uh, I count him as a friend. Certainly, I've always voted for him. So those are my, um, those are my biases, just laid out transparently. I think... Uh, I have immense uh, confidence in, in John Tory and in his integrity. So I don't have a, an honestly specific concern about this. Um, I think he balances those things transparently and with integrity. Uh, I suspect that this um, review is going to raise questions about whether these kinds of arrangements are sustainable on, a, on, on in an abstract basis. I don't think you, you'll ever see another mayor with this kind of responsibility and um, uh, concurrent with his public duties. I do think it's rife for conflict. I think it raises questions. I think it's odd. Um, it's obviously atypical for John. Um, but uh, I, in that sense, I think this review may uh, yield something because I suspect they're going to say these things feel like they are in structure incompatible and there ought to be broader rules to address it. Okay, Deb Hutton, bearing in mind that you co-chaired John Tory's re-election bid, uh, what do you see happening here? 
So I can't imagine, uh, given the topic at hand, which was about active TO and the entire city, and the only issue here is that the head of, of the Jays wrote a letter, which seemed to be a pretty important letter on behalf of the Jays and their fans. So I, I don't see there being a conflict. I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with Scott's last point. Um, but I, this is what these processes are for, to go, to ensure that we have transparency, to ensure that we don't have conflicts. Again, I'm confident there isn't one. I think John Tory has gone above and beyond in each of the last eight years in declaring conflicts, whether it's about Rogers, whether it's about his son as a pilot. I mean, there's been all kinds of things where a lot of reasonable people say, geez, that shouldn't have been a conflict, but nonetheless, he declared it. And that's the whole point of the process. Yeah, I think that he made a bit of a mistake when he did weigh in on that one issue and should have recused himself, and I don't think that he needed his vote anyway in order to get the thing to move the way it would have. Otherwise, he's been fairly scrupulous about declaring conflicts, and the thing came up before the election, and 62% of the people said we want him back. So I think we're moving on. Uh, return fees for online shopping could soon arrive or go up. Here's the issue. A lot of people treat it like in-store shopping, so they order three pairs of shoes, and they send two of them back currently. The retailer is on the hook for that. Uh, Jerry, I guess this is just another station in the evolution of online shopping. Most of us got very comfortable with it during uh, COVID, but it can't be sustained the way it is right now. Sure, but uh, a lot of people are affected by the few jerks in society, unfortunately. One of them plays for the Raptors because he was, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember his name. Maybe somebody can fill me in here. But we talked about it on the show. I don't follow basketball, okay, so don't remember his name. Uh, but he was actually laughing about how he'd ordered this $400 shirt. He went out dancing in it, and then he returned the stinky $400 shirt uh, as a, <laughs> uh, I'm not paying $400 for a shirt. Well, it's jerks like that that cause these kinds of policies to come up. Well, and it's an interesting bit of history that uh, for a good long time, Eaton had a policy that they would absolutely, without reserve or question, accept back all merchandise. And so uh, <laughs> annually, for example, at graduation time, girls will go out and get a dress and then bring it back and say, nah, it doesn't fit. Yeah, actually, this was something I brought up when we talked about it the other day. My dad, for a number of years, ran the post office in my hometown, and he knew people were doing that. They said they would order a dress and come and they would, you know, he'd see them in the dress at the event, and then you'd see them returning the thing. Okay. Uh, Deb Hutton, did you become addicted to online ordering during COVID? No, I mean, I've gone through phases. COVID's one of them. Uh, when I had a toddler at home around Christmas time, you know, I would do much more online. I'd often do it for my parents because I could send it to them if my mom said, hey, I was looking for this. Um, but it's obviously a business decision. And I will say on Sunday, I sat down because one of the stores I shop at for the girls was having a 50% off sale. I had no time or ability to go shopping that one day sale. I ordered some stuff online. Not all of it may work and I'll take it back. If, however, I knew it was going to cost me and I usually take it back in person, not send it back. If it's going to cost me, then I'll think twice about it. So it's obviously a business decision for them, but they may lose some customers over it. Okay, and I can't resist bringing up Donald Trump when Scott Reed is on the panel. Um, more than hinting last night, apparently he's going to run against again. Uh, Scott Reed, does he distort the field the way he did the last time, or are Republicans like Ron DeSantis going to rebel and put him in his place? I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I'm not sure that he's as powerful as he once was or as he thinks uh, within the Republican firmament, but I'm not sure that he's uh, diminished enough that he won't win the Republican nomination. So I think that's going to be really fascinating. I also think the other factor is he has to run. He has to run for the nomination so that he can use his political station to say it's my candidacy that's causing all of these legal 
processes. They are therefore all just partisan witch hunts. He's he's using it as, if you will, as as shielding for his mounting and many legal problems. So he's definitely going to run. He's got no option. And I think there's a better than 50 percent chance he'll win the Republican nomination. You have to say to yourself, my God, it is a mad, bad, mad world. Talk about online shopping returns. Man, this is the real indication of the apocalypse. Yeah, Paul Ryan, who used to be <laughs> yeah, uh, Paul Ryan, who used to be associated with him, uh, was saying just recently he was former speaker as well, GOP speaker of the House. He said that there's no way that the Republicans are to take him. The phrase he used was his unelectability will be palpable by the next election. So um, I'm sure a lot of Republicans are pretty worried about Donald Trump. So won't Liz Cheney get the last laugh in all of this? Having oh, God, that's everything. the only... That's the only bad thing you could have said about this, John. I can't stand Liz Cheney. <laughs> I think that history is going to acquit her and that Trump is not going to weather well. We're out of time. Thank well, you all. What, you think he's weathering well now? No, but believe me, he's weathering well enough to possibly get the nomination and be a threat to, to rise to the presidency again. I wasn't shocked he got elected, but I'll be shocked if he's the nominee yeah. this time. He'll be the Herbert Hoover uh, of this era 20 years from now. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.